Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I am the host, Brianna Battles, founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism and CEO of Everyday Battles. I'm a career strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, mom of two wild little boys, and a lifelong athlete. I believe that athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, and this podcast is dedicated to coaching you by providing meaningful conversations, insights, and interview topics related to fitness, mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I'm doing a solo episode on being a parent to a youth athlete, but from the perspective of a lifelong coach. So there's so many of us who are now entering the season of our babies, turning into toddlers, turning into little kids that start playing sports. Now, these sports can exist across a spectrum of interest and ability, right? Just like we say about athleticism in general. Um, So whether your four-year-old is starting to play soccer or your six-year-old is signed up for gymnastics or dance or baseball, whatever it might be, the topics I'm going to talk to you today about are how to support your child as they start their athletic experience, but I'm going to speak about it from the perspective of being someone who has coached a variety of athletes at a variety of levels for a long time. And beyond that, I also was an athlete, played through college, and then coached college. So in that particular experience, I got to see at the collegiate level who actually made it that far and what was their experience like? What were some of the common denominators? And then when I went on to get my master's in coaching, there was so much emphasis put on the experiences of our youth athletes and how that can positively or negatively impact the trajectory of their life and the longevity of their uh, fitness interests and abilities and injury prevention and all of that. So that's the perspective I want to bring to you today. I am a mom doing my absolute best and I freaking make so many mistakes. And one thing I feel that I, I, I'm able to have a somewhat different perspective on is being a mom supporting my kid because I'm not coaching him, but I can't turn that part of my brain off either. And I want to share some ways that I'm navigating that with mostly Kate right now, because he's the one playing sports chances still. He's like on that bubble of he just started playing soccer. So my boys are eight and four. So that is the, um, that's the stage I'm speaking to you from. Okay. So here's some tips on being a supportive parent to your kid. And I call myself like coach mom, right? Like, again, because that part of me is still there. It doesn't go away. And if you're really involved in fitness or really involved in coaching, and now you have a kid who's starting to play sports, you are going to be doing that mental juggle as well of like, oh, I want to give feedback. I'm like, you get like really into it. And there's just really good ways of going about it in ways that cause more harm than good. So I just want to bring some attention to that because frankly, where else are we learning about this from? So we ha- we need to start having some conversations about seeing our kids pursue their own lifetime of athleticism and how we can set them up for the most positive experience 
possible. Okay, so my first tip is to not coach from the sidelines. Okay, leave the coaching to the coaches. It's really tempting to kind of joystick them and say, hey, pass it to Paul, pass it to Brooke, or go, go, go. And like there's encouraging things to say, but it's you'll hear it. When the parents start joysticking every single move the kid needs to do or what they should have done, that is problematic. That job is reserved for the coach and the coach alone. Another tip I really try to prioritize in my family is to be on time. And when it comes to sports and practice and games, try to be early. And trust me, I understand the chaos of getting out the door with kids and little kids and having to be somewhere at a very specific time is not an easy task. So plan for that. And if you're going to be late, communicate that to the coach, communicate that to the team or whatever your point of contact is. So whenever like we're late for jujitsu, for example, I send Kate's uh, coach just a quick text saying, Hey, I'm so sorry. We're really stuck in traffic. We'll be about five minutes late because that's the ownership piece. And we want our kids to have ownership over when they need to show up. If they can't do that, we're communicating the reasons and, and just being really clear. And that's respectful for the coach as well. The car ride home, whether this is after practice or games, that is a sacred place. So that can be used positively or it can turn into a really toxic environment. We want to be able to build trust with our kids and not sit there and ream them for, hey, well, you should try this. You should have done that. Or, hey, did you think about doing this? And where it's like this just constant, like either interrogation or, or debrief on the game. If they want to do that, we need to ask their permission to do that rather than just kind of berate them with questions and feedback they're not exactly looking for from you at this point in time. And I know as an athlete, there's times where I'm like, I just don't want to freaking talk about it right now. I don't want to talk about that. And that is a really common thing, especially like you don't want to hear that from your mom or your dad, not at least immediately. One thing I encourage parents to do is to expose your kids to as many sports as possible for as long as possible. I truly believe that there is something for everyone, whether it's something you understand or not. For example, like this is a really common sport, but like I know nothing about baseball. Jared, my husband, like he didn't play baseball either. And like Kate really wanted to play baseball. We're like, okay. And we put him in it. And now like we are like all in. It's so fun. It's so exciting. But that's not necessarily like the default sport that, um, you know, was like something really big for our family, but it was something he wanted to try. So in your world, that might be gymnastics. It might be dance. It might be like soccer or racquetball. Like who knows, but just try to expose your kids to the things that they show a slight interest to. And then don't stay stuck on just one sport, expose them to as many different forms of fitness whether it's in a formal setting or more as a hobby as possible, because that is what's going to help build their athleticism and their overall interest and confidence in their body uh, in like space and time, right? Like that's, that's our goal is to just see what do they like to do? What are they more inclined to do? What do they enjoy doing? And is that worth pursuing? Make sure after every practice or after every game, that your child is encouraged to thank the coach, thank the referees, and help clean up after. These are the little things 
that make a really big character difference in the long run. There are so many kids that are entitled, right? We know that. And that's that's in every sport. And that's not just a 2021 problem. That is a like forever problem in sports. And so the best athletes are the ones that are well-rounded athletes that do well in school, that do well in the field or the pool or whatever, um, but are also coachable, that are also good teammates, that also set a great example. And so encourage your kids at a young age to be the kid that is thankful to their coach and expresses that consistently and that they help the environment that they are playing in, help with cleaning up the mats, help pick up some of their stuff, help pick up cones, whatever it might be, um, or set that up during or at the beginning of practice too. There are little things that can really make a big difference that if we instill those things at a young age, it will really positively impact their participation later on. One sentiment that I encourage parents to say, and this this can be like immediately after the practice or the game. So this is maybe a sentiment to ask or to say in the car is instead of like, you know, uh, giving any kind of critiquing or feedback, I try to say, Hey, Cade, I love watching you play. Did you have fun out there? And I say that over and over. I had so much fun watching you play. I love watching you play, whether he wins or whether he loses, whether he does good or whether he could have done better. I don't care. It's true. I freaking love watching him play. This is being a mom to an athlete is far more rewarding than being a coach ever has been. It's far more rewarding than being an athlete ever was for me. Now, seeing him experience sports, it is fun to watch. And I'm not trying to live vicariously through him. I'm genuinely so excited to see him experience sports regardless of the outcome. And if they know that, then they'll be more willing to trust you with their experience and sharing how they're feeling about the sport or a teammate or something the coach said or whatever, when they know that, hey, like you're just there because you love watching them play and you are genuinely supportive of them. So with that, um, one question to play off of that, uh, what to say, here are some questions that I think are really critical, especially for those of us who maybe have Um, our own background in fitness or in coaching or in sports in general, it can be really hard to walk that line of like not going into coach brain and trying to give that feedback um, because like you're just trying to help and that's fine. It is totally fine to be excited and want to share because like you do know more than them. Maybe like if you played baseball through college or whatever, like there's a good chance you have a lot of helpful things to give your little league kid or whatever. So one thing that has worked extremely well for Kate and I, and I should preface this by telling you a little bit about Kate. He is extremely athletic, extremely spirited, and very, very, uh, like, he's just very intense. He is very, uh, like, he's just very intense when it comes to sports and emotional. He takes things extremely seriously, and he has a mentality that cannot be taught. It is in as like that, again, putting on like my coach hat. I'm like, honestly, that it, his personality as he plays any sport cannot totally be taught. There's a lot of that. That's just very attached to his personality as a naturally uh, very competitive child. So for me, it's really important to walk this line 
of knowing what he wants from me and what he does not want from me. So the question I have been asking him, especially as, you know, I'd say within the last year, around that seven to eight years old, he has been exposed to more, I guess, like more serious sport and competition, both with uh, soccer, baseball, and jujitsu. So I ask him, do you want me to talk to you like a coach right now? Or do you want me to talk to you like a mom right now? And when we can have that, when I can ask him that, I'm asking his permission to, uh, and knowing like what my role is, what he wants from me right now. And a lot of times he actually chooses to talk to me like a coach right now, because when I do that, I, I truly talk to him. Like I would talk to him, not like a mom, like I talk to him like a coach would. And I give him some general feedback, not necessarily sports specific feedback, unless that's something like I can do. But frankly, the sports he plays are not the sports I played. So I just write, try to say things like, you know, I don't want you to let that competitor get in your head. I want you to get in their head. Or I will tell him like, Hey, you just need, you need to like have some lockdown defense you keep working really hard. You're doing a great job and just kind of frame my coaching around themes rather than like sports specific things. Now, again, that's a fine line for you to walk and you have to read your kid and know your kid and know that less is always going to be more when you are coaching a kid. You cannot overload them with a ton of cues or a ton of information. It will just go right over their head. They will not, they can only retain so much. So chunks of small themes for them to focus on from you is really critical. And then just a reminder, like, hey, listen to your coach, respect the referees, respect your opponent, make eye contact, like just little things like that, that they need reminders from can be really key. So asking their permission of of your role is really a great way to build that bridge. The other question I like to ask is, how can I support you right now? And a lot of times when Cade is in like his intense moods, um, he like doesn't want to talk. And so I just asked like, how can I support you right now? And he said, I just think, let's just come back to it. Or I asked like, or do you want me to come back to this? And he'll ask to come back to this. Or I'll just say, like, do you want a hug? And he'll give me a hug. Do you want to be left alone? Okay, maybe left alone. And it's just knowing, it's reading them rather than forcing our feedback or um, a lot of very specific advice on them. It's knowing what are they actually receptive to right now. And just because they're not receptive to it right now in that particular moment, after practice, before practice, after a game, whatever, competition, doesn't mean that they won't be receptive to it later. It's getting a feel on your kid and what they're experiencing and then knowing how to best communicate with them. Here's the bottom line. When we put as parents and like, we can all like, we all know what kind of parent is on the sidelines. That's like losing their mind, pissed at the AYSO ref. And remember like those refs, they are, it's all volunteer, right? These coaches, it's all volunteer in, in some of those leagues. So, and I know it's not necessarily like that with other like clubs and whatnot, but refs are doing their best and most coaches, most are doing their best. And it is not a parent's place to be freaking out on the sidelines. It's just not. You are there to be supportive and understand that bad calls and things happen. And that is absolutely a part of sports. And if you watch sports at all, then you know that that is just part of it. It is just part of sports for there to be things that we feel are unfair. 
And as parents, we can't be the ones losing our minds over that on the sidelines. For example, um, earlier this season, kids in soccer currently, there was a call, something happened on the field. And like, everyone was like freaking out. Well, Kate happened to be sitting out that particular quarter. Every kid has to sub during AYSO soccer, which is, that's cool. And Kate starts losing his mind and also yelling at the ref. And I was like, oh, hell no. So I was like, Kate, no, that is not okay. It does not matter what others are doing. You do not get to be the kid that is also yelling at the ref just because other adults are right? Because they're young at that age. They're just so impressionable and they think it's like, okay, you know? And so it, for me, it was really important to call that out early and then have a talk with him after because respect has to be instilled at a really young age when it comes to sports. If we put a lot of pressure on our kids to perform, to not let us down, um, to, to win, whatever it might be, that will cause resentment either toward you as a parent or it will cause resentment toward the sport. I cannot tell you how many college athletes I have coached, frankly, how many even like professional athletes I've coached who get to a point of like extreme burnout. And it's not always because of uh, the sport itself. They might love the sport, but it's because of the pressure they feel from their parents, from certain coaches, from the media, from whatever it might be that pressure can cause so much resentment that it then ruins the relationship or ruins the sport. And we cannot start that at a young age. Kids have to fall in love with it first. They have to have fun first. They have to build their confidence first. As they get older, yeah, there can be a little bit more like healthy pressure for them, but our relationship should be improved by their participation in sports. It should not be hurt or hindered by it. And we see that happen a lot. You'll see it. I swear, just watch for it. I'm going to have so much content just being a coach mom that watches my kids grow up playing sports because holy crap, you see it everywhere. You see the dad who pulls his kid over at halftime and tries to have a debrief. You see the dad yelling across. I say dad, mom, uncle, grandpa, whoever, sister. It might be like kind of yelling across the field. Um, what every move they should make or what they should have done. Or you see someone who loses a match and their parent grabs them and is like, all right, let's go. And like, you can tell that they're pissed, right? You will see that. And that is some toxic freaking sport behavior from parents. And just know that you can be in it and you can feel and you can have that intensity because it is fun and it's, and it's hard and it's exciting. It's all these things, watching your kid participate and get out there, but it is not on you to have that kind of like emotional reaction where it's no longer fun or frankly, no longer safe feeling for them to participate. That is where so many kids quit or um, just like don't feel interested in it. Or again, it, it really hurts the relationship you have with your kid and the trust that they have with you. So positive pressure can look like encouragement, Uh, making sure the sport and or whatever it is still feels fun, that they're in a really good environment, a positive coach, fun teammates that they're able to make friends with, um, and that they're exposed to a lot of different sports. And with that, and I said this earlier as like exposing often, but, you know, specialization is something that I know a lot of parents are really tempted to do. A lot of parents are like, okay, well, my kid is eight. 
he's pitching a lot right now. And, you know, we're practicing a few days a week. And I think I really want him to become a better pitcher. So I'm going to sign him up for pitching lessons. And we're just going to, and then we're going to play fall ball. And we're going to play spring ball. And then we're going to do club. We're going to do all these different things. And now baseball becomes this centered sport with the extra of specialization in pitching. So not only are parents choosing to put their kid in year in the same year-round sport, but now they are choosing to add on to that with the specialization of pitching. And we could see that in gymnastics, we could see that in dance, we could see that in soccer. There's so many sports that we'll see that in where, um, okay, well, we're just going to stick to this one sport now at eight years old. And so from a coach perspective, and our evidence also tells us this, the athletes that have the most longevity and actually like get the scholarships and go on to play in college are the kids that play for multiple sport athletes for as long as possible. That could be up until 14, 15 years old. Maybe that's through high school, but it is important to have your kid not specialize to have the greatest return on their sport investment, right? If you want to have a good baseball player, then have that kid play basketball too. If you want to have a good basketball player, have that kid do gymnastics. If you want to have a good football player, have that kid also run track, whatever it might be, right? There are so many different options. It's just about building that well-rounded athleticism, that coordination and that exposure to different movement patterns, different coaches, different environments. And it's all very complimentary. You will give your kid so much more by exposing them to different sports rather than specializing them early on. There is a time and a place for them to lock down on one sport. Typically, that happens in high school-ish. But when we are talking about our youth athletes, expose them to a lot of different sports. And I promise it'll have really good carryover. I know I recorded a podcast on this, but my whole family does jujitsu because that sport complements literally any other sport he continues to do. And it will stay with him through his lifetime if he wants it to. There's no expiration date on on age of when that ends. Whereas like for me, water polo ended in college. So for him, jujitsu can complement any sport he does. It's really good physical movement. It's really good mental coordination. It's really good emotional control and um, exposure. It's a good individual sport that can complement any other individual sport or team sport. So that is something that I really hope that he continues to pursue, you know, through his lifetime of being an athlete. And, And I just think that there are lots of different sports we can do. Dance might be something that, well, maybe it's not done every single week, but like one day a week, could they do that as well as soccer or as well as volleyball? There's so many different options to not have our kids locked into just one sport for years at a time. Um, a lot of the athletes that I coached in college, you know, they, they just had so many injuries because they had been swimming and throwing their entire life from age five until age 22. And that was me. Like I only swam and played water polo. Like I didn't do any other sports pretty much as a kid, maybe so I did like dance gymnastics, like super early on. But, you know, after that, like it was very standard to sort of just stay in the same sport. And frankly, that's all my mom could afford for me to do was just like that consistency of that sport. So I don't fall, there's zero fault there at all. 
but um, the athletes that seemed to do the best and had the least amount of injuries, the least amount of like resentment or burnout were the ones that did a lot of different sports for as long as possible. So that's just something to keep in mind when we feel that specialization is good. I would really venture to say as a coach and as an athlete and as a mom that uh, diversifying their fitness in sports is the best thing we can do for their longevity and chance at playing, um, you know, playing through college and, and beyond. And the last thing I want to say is you are their number one fan. You are their number one advocate. You are their safe place. And when we have sports, it can add so much joy to our family dynamic. It can add so much joy to their life. This helps build their character and their confidence. And to see your kid become proud of themselves for the work they've put in, that is freaking priceless. Like it just is so good. And if you're like, well, God, but my kid sucks at soccer. Like, cool. Like it's okay for them to suck at something. Is there something else? But do they enjoy doing it? Like, okay, that's good feedback. Do they love their teammates? That's great. And if it's not that situation, what other sport, what other options are there? Get creative. Maybe your child's more inclined for an individual sport. Maybe they're more inclined for a team sport. Maybe they're more inclined to a water sport or a land sport or a court sport. Like just step outside of your own comfort zone and encourage them to try and look at their process. Look at the variables that extend so far beyond their ability levels, right? Because that changes as they change over time. Your kid might start out be a really good player, a good, really good basketball player. And then as they get older, like, no, they're just, they're not, they're not into it. And maybe like they're, they're not playing as well anymore. Okay, cool. Like we, we change interests change, bodies change, abilities change. And it is on us as parents to support them and to look for some of those cues of, is this working or is it not working? And are we forcing something that's no longer right? Like, how do we walk that line to encourage and expose and and just do it to the best of our ability? You know, it's really taking in that big picture approach to, is this helping or hurting their longevity as a well-rounded athlete? And we are all doing the best with the information that we have. And I'm, I really love to continue this conversation. There's so much here, I think that, that there's to talk about. And I know that I will be walking this path as a mom who has that strong coach bias. And I'm really excited to be sharing some of that with you as I walk through this process with my boys. So if this is something that has resonated with you, I would really, really love to hear your feedback. I would love to get your input and advice. I'm sure there's many, many things I have left out, but these are some of the topics that I wanted to highlight today and we will build upon this conversation as we move forward. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practice Brave podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond. Now, if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow, I have you covered. The Pregnant Athlete Training Program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body. That's 36 weeks of workouts, three to four workouts each week, and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. 
If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will up-level your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you and please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information, and this work. Mm -hmm.